So um, one of the uh, pieces of scripture that uh, we read, and uh, sometimes just by doing what it says, uh, makes what it says even more clear for us. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus and says this, he said, would you speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I think one of the things that we know is that when it says Psalms, well, we've got a book in the Bible called Psalms, and there's 150 of them there. So when we come to God and we bring our worship, we can just do it by reading the Psalms. If at uh, any time when you are feeling uh, low and you feel you don't know what to say to God and how to respond to God, there's a book in the Bible called Psalms. Open it up. And start reading a psalm. The Bible says here in Ephesians, we can come before God and bring psalms. Next thing it says, it's hymns. And I think that the songs that we sing are our hymns. This is the the man-made, directed by the Holy Spirit, um, music that's been written down with words that follow it, that we as the body of Christ are able to bring before God week by week as we worship him. So we've got Psalms, we know where that is, we know what hymns are, and then it talks about something a little bit different. It says, and your spiritual songs. And when we have an opportunity to bring spiritual songs, that means in the atmosphere of worship, when we find ourselves captivated by the presence of God and we want to honor him, and even as we did today, we said, you know, God, you're worthy, then we allow an overflow. And that might mean that we focus on a word and we keep coming back to God. God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. Some of us may start to use God's uh, uh, gift of a tongue. We start to sing out or speak out in a language that we haven't learned, but God has given to us. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God comes into us, and then out from us comes this amazing uh, gift of tongues. So when we have spiritual songs, it might not even be in a language that we know. We speak these things out. And sometimes it's not just a word or a phrase. We can find ourselves off-roading and God just giving us songs to sing. So when we have those times when we find ourselves uh, released for a while to be able to uh, do something that's not written up on the screen, that's what's wanted. Bring a psalm. Crack open your Bible, find a psalm, and speak that out. That's brilliant stuff. Start another song that uh, we haven't prepared. That always gets the music group uh, on the edge. And then... There's always this beautiful thing called our our spiritual songs. Let's start to join with the angels and sing. I love it. Uh, James is just going to put up a a presentation for us. We come to the end of our series looking at uh, normal Christianity. And we're just looking today at at, uh, living real, taking what we've looked at over the previous six weeks, put it into practice and say, this is what it it should be about. This is about us living real. Now, one of the things that I I remember was a little bit of a disappointment um, when the previous church that I used to uh, serve in, uh, we bought a pub. And this is the pub that we bought. And it was quite good for a Baptist church, which Baptists are meant to be teetotal. Um, in their foundation, probably not now as things have moved on. But um, for a Baptist church to buy a pub, um, it was well and truly uh, our advancing against the enemy, as we saw it. We saw this as taking ground. 
But one of the things is that we did, I mean, it's a massive building and it's taking a lot of time to re, uh, regenerate it and uh, restore it. But we started off on the ground floor and the ground floor we turned into a coffee shop. So we started a coffee shop and people started coming in. Now, the thing about it is what we had not planned for, because in those early days, we weren't selling very much coffee. You know, we could be open from uh, 10 in the morning, I think we started at half past 9 in the morning, through to 1.30 in the afternoon, and we might only sell three or four cups of coffee. Because nobody knew us or, or, or what we were doing, so we're starting that really slow. And then one day, we had a call from somebody who, one of the volunteers who'd been working down at the Pelham, saying... Um, I've just been cashing up and I think I've been given a counterfeit £20 note. So when your total income for the morning was about 12 quid, and you find that somebody had paid for their coffee with a counterfeit 20, you'd realise that not only uh, have you been given away coffee all morning, um, but you're then left with this uh, note that is, has absolutely no value at all. Now, the thing about it is, you could just think to yourself, right, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to pass this on to somebody else. I'm going to stick this in when I'm buying something, and hopefully they won't know it, and then I've just got to act really surprised if they find it. But um, we didn't do that. We decided that we would put it to one side, and then we take it to the bank when we did our banking. And, um, and that's it. They take it. They checked it, and absolutely it was not uh, real. And, and, yeah, we lost it. Counterfeit. When something isn't real. We ended up getting a, a, like a, this little pen thing that you could write on the notes to see whether they were genuine or not. And, um, and then we upgraded to this sort of uh, purple uh, UV light as well. Because um, you'd think, though, a Christian organization doing stuff. I mean, our coffee wasn't expensive either. And yet somebody decides that they would slip us a dud. Counterfeit. Well, the thing about it is, what we've been looking over the last six weeks is ensuring that we're not counterfeit Christians. That what we are, as we express to the world around us, our relationship with Jesus, what we're trying to make sure people are aware of, that that we're not an imitation, we are the real thing. That we are what followers of Christ look like. This is how we are. And so we started this journey looking at different aspects, but today I'm just going to draw things together by looking at a few scriptures. Here's something from uh, the book of Timothy. So we believe that the Apostle Paul is writing to his second-in-command, Timothy, and he says this, he says, Mark this, he says, There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. How are we doing on that? Okay. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Okay ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than... It sounds like he's talking about today. Does that not sound similar to... Anyway, he then goes on to say, having a form of godliness but denying its power. He's saying that people have just added Jesus onto life. And he's not an optional extra. He's not an accessory to be added. All of this stuff that is being spoken out prior to verse 5 here of uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is 
That's not to have anything to do with you. You're not meant to be in part of this at all. And the thing about it is you pretend that you're godly, but you've got no power. And I think that's probably one of the best signs of a church that's uh, walking in step with the Holy Spirit. Where's the power? Are, are we seeing the things that Christ has promised that we would see? If we're not seeing them, then we need to take a, a quick look at ourselves again and find out, are we plugged in to Christ or have we plugged in to something else? The Apostle Paul talks about the qualities that will be evident in normal Christian life. And we pick this up in our children's talk. This is it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It's not that we squeeze these things out, but the fact is that as we immerse ourselves in the life of Christ, these fruit grow. And that's one of the beautiful things, isn't it? You plant a seed of a certain plant, and that plant grows. That's the idea. If you plant a tomato seed, you hope to get tomato plant and then get a crop of tomatoes. And this is it. When the seed of Christ is planted in us, what we're meant to be seeing is Christ in us. Brilliant stuff. So this is my appeal. I thought I'd put it up there so that you're very aware of where we're going this morning. Let's be normal. Let's be genuine. Let's be what God has called us to be. Let's not settle for being a pale imitation of the real thing. Don't settle for being a cheap counterfeit. Decide today that when it comes to our faith, when it comes to following Christ, we will, in fact, be the genuine article. So just turn to somebody and say, you are the genuine article. Just encourage one another. Can you just say that to someone? You are the genuine article. Turn to... Might be worth actually saying, hi, good morning. If you haven't done that yet, say, hi, good morning. Nice to see you. Sorry I haven't spoken to you so far, but you are the genuine article. Cool. Here's our check-up verse. We're going to be looking at this several times in the next 20 minutes. Check up on yourselves. Are you really Christians? This is uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 5 in the Living Bible. Are you really Christians? Do you pass the test? Do you feel Christ's presence and power more and more within you? Or are you just pretending to be Christians when actually you aren't at all? Ooh, there's a challenge. There's a challenge. So here we are. We start here with uh, a test. And the test is, we come before God and we say, God, would you check me out? Would you cast your eye over my life? And when I say over my life, I mean the whole of my life, my thought life, my action life, what I do with my body, where I go, what I say, what I do. Psalm 139 says, investigate my life, O God. Now, this is a dangerous prayer, I suppose. But except the fact that the prayer is being put before God. And we know that God loves us. So we're in the presence of a holy God, but it also really loves us. And when we ask him, will you check me out? He's not checking us out to catch us out. He's checking us out and empowering us to be transformed. Because he gives us all that we need to be everything that we need to be. So this is the psalmist Writing here, David the psalmist, he said, investigate me, oh God, find everything about me, Uh, cross-examine me, test me, get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourself whether I've done anything wrong, then guide me on the road to eternal life. And that's the brilliant thing, because when God says, puts his finger on something, he doesn't just make us feel bad about it and go around under a cloud of, of shame. He says... 
this is it. This is how we're going to deal with this. And then you're going to walk in the freedom. One of the beautiful things we've been doing here as a church is following through a course on Sunday evenings called Freedom in Christ. It will be repeated. And if you haven't, you're not on it at the moment, I recommend you come on it and be part of it. Because all it is about is recognizing who we are in Christ and getting rid of all of those things that hold us back from being the fullness of all that he desires that we would be. So check ourselves out, but we put ourselves before God. And these are five questions. So you know how far we're going in the message this morning. We've got five questions. It's cool. Just coming up to quarter two. Five questions. Let's find out about how real we are. Are we real at home? There's a question. Am I real at home? Am I a normal Christian in my home context? You know, there's so many programs around, aren't there, that uh, are, are, well, we used to call them fly-on-the-wall documentaries. That's before we had very good technology that um, you could watch everybody doing everything all of the time. But now we call them uh, reality TV shows, where everything that is said, everything that is done, everything, well, uh, yeah, it's, it's really like, um, do you know that phrase, air in your dirty washing? Yeah. Some of it's quite interesting, I must say, but, you know, it's... It's a bit out there. But what about if there was a, uh, a camera system set up at home and, and those two-way mirrors and everything you did was being monitored? That everybody could see everything that you did at home. How you, I mean, this is some of the things that I was thinking about. Uh, when you prayed or not. When you opened your Bible or not. I always loved the song. There was a Hillsong song back sort of, I don't know, 25 years or so ago that that talked about, and and the song went something along the lines of, um, on Sunday I am praying for revival, yet on Monday I can't even find my Bible. How about that? We can do one thing here on a Sunday, but when it comes to reality uh, of being, what's happening at home, then things could be a little bit different. How are you doing at home? How is home life lining up as being a real, normal Christian? These words again from 2 Corinthians 13. Check up on yourselves. How are you doing? Are the things that you say the reality of what you do? There's no power in pretending. That's the truth. Am I real at work? Oh, we're on to the second part already. How about that then? What about work? What about when I go to work? Well, the thing about it is, we can turn around and say, do you know, it's really hard to be a Christian at work. It's really hard to witness to people about my faith because there, I mean, there's so many, so many things that go on that are just not godly. But the thing about it is, when we go to work, we can be the godly ones. We can be the ones who change the atmosphere. We don't have to get involved with the gossip talk. We don't have to get involved in the running people down. We can find ourselves elevated above that, move on, leave that stuff behind, and allow our actions and our life to be a witness. We People know what is good, and sometimes at work, good stuff isn't happening. Yet we can turn to God and say, well, God, I need you to help me. I need to be different at work. And this is brilliant because it says in the book of Philippians, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. If I want to walk in the light in my work context, I start the day by saying, Lord, I'm off to work. He knows you're going anyway. Lord, I'm off to work. 
and I need your strength today. There will be certain situations and circumstances that I'm going to come against that I know would not glorify you if I got involved. Would you give me the strength to not get involved? I don't want to be party to those conversations. I don't want to be party to those actions. And he gives us strength. We ask him. What about um, Matthew uh, 19? Jesus looks at them and says, what is impossible with man is possible with God because all things are possible. So there's no place that you go where God can't help you to be Christ. Nothing's impossible. And you may be the one who brings light into a situation that transforms somebody else's life. And that's our desire, that our lives are changed and then we help to change others as Christ shines through us. What about our church? Wow, this is interesting. Uh, We saw a film last night, um, which is quite an interesting film. Um, It's called uh, What We Did on Our Holiday. Is that right? Has anybody seen that film? What We Did on Our Holiday? Um, It's got Billy Connolly in it and some other famous people, and I'm not really good on famous people. But one of the things about it that I found which is quite interesting is that it had three children in it. And the children, it was really interesting. The eldest child, she must have been about nine or ten, she had this little notebook with her. And um, so when there were conversations happening at home before they went on holiday, she would say, now, what am I meant to say about this? So that when I'm lying, I get it right. Now, the mum and the dad at the beginning of this film are separated. But they're going on holiday um, and to meet up with the rest of the family. But what they're trying to do is pretend in front of the rest of the family that they're meeting up on holiday for that um, they are okay and they're together. And this girl, she sat there and said, tell me, what lies am I meant to be saying? I've got to write this down because uh, I don't want to get this wrong. And you see, when we come into the presence of God as the body of Christ and we come into church, there should be no transitioning between what was happening in the drive here as well as what happens when we start singing here. And I know that those are places, and I, 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 I'm there, I've been there, and, and uh, this is why Carol and I drive to church in separate cars. You know, <laughs> this is how we make sure that we're staying good before the worship. Actually, it's not true. We came in the same car today. Um, and it's working a lot better since we've got rid of our boys. You know, I think once they grew up and move out, then it's just helped the whole process of coming to church. But am I real? Am I real at church? You, you see, there's uh, four groups of people. Four groups of people. There's the spiritually mature. That's those people who know Christ and are desiring to grow in their relationship with Christ. So this is the, uh, I would say this is the majority of people, spiritually mature. Spiritually mature has got nothing to do with age either. I've known some pretty old people who've been part of the family of Christ for a long, 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 long time. And they are probably the most immature. It's amazing. Age has got nothing to do with maturity. Young people can be spiritually mature. So we've got spiritual maturity. The next one on that is the spiritually immature. These are those who are, I believe, who have stagnated hung into one place, not moved on, or those who are starting the journey and exploring their spirituality. That's, that's the immature. But most people find themselves in this sort of middle ground somewhere. 
I'm between the immature and I'm between the mature. I'm there somewhere. But then, of course, you've got your fourth group, which are the carnal. Those are the people who uh, have got no interest in God and are not pursuing God. And those are the people that we need to ensure that we are covering in our prayers, that God would start to soften their hearts and make them aware of the fact that he loves them. But when we come to church... When we come to church, our desire is that we would come to church with in a sense of maturity. We know where we are in our walk with God, and we know that God's got something more in store for us. And we come here and we say, Lord, I want to soak up something fresh from you today. I need to hear something new. And that's the thing, as we start to pray into what's happening in this place day by day or Sunday by Sunday. Are you praying for the band as they're coming and practicing? Are you praying for the guy who's going to be speaking? Next week, you've got Freddie. Start praying for Freddie because he needs your prayers. Oh, my word. Freddie's just retired from Baptist ministry, but he's not called it retirement. He's called it refirement. So he's refired. So he's going to be quite passionate, excited. He's talking about hope next week. We've got three words of Christmas we're looking at over our Advent period. He's doing hope, then we've got joy, and then we've got glory. Anyway, that's something else. Um, Real in church. Know where you are and know where you should be going to. I need to be growing in my relationship with Christ. I don't want to stagnate. I want to be becoming more and more like Christ. The fruit of the Spirit. This is something I wrote in my notes. I thought I'll stick it up here. When the Holy Spirit controls our lives, he will produce this kind of fruit. These very things. And we've got to allow that to help us as we gather together week by week as the body of Christ is church. Let love. Do you know what? We should be the most loved. I love Tina's um, testimony here. Do you know we've done okay? But then Tina's still here. What about those that came and then have not, got, have not come back? And there are, must be people who do that. I'm sure there are people that come in and we say, Oh, did you say? Yeah, I saw that. I haven't seen them again. We've just got to make sure we go that extra mile to ensure that everybody who comes just senses the presence of God amongst us, is loved and is welcomed, and we allow those beautiful fruit of the Spirit, those signs of our maturity, our growing well, just to overflow. Other things. Uh, judging. Oh, there's something as well, because, you know, we, uh, judging one another, where people are on their journey. Um, it, Jesus did it. I found this in, in, in Matthew 7. By their fruit, you would recognize them. That's a, that's a judgment call. Don't hang around with people that are dragging you backwards. Make sure that you're always being challenged to step up and go on in our relationship. This is what I love about life groups. Because in life groups, you can't hide. Because you are what you are, and it's a small group. And things get discussed and talked about. And sometimes God just lays something on our hearts that needs to be Uh, worked through graciously with him. Life groups. You're not part of a life group. I just honestly encourage you to get along to a life group. Um, Can I just say something? Just just put it out there. You can't do this life on your own. And if you think you can do it on your own, then I would say the enemy has deceived you. Can I just put that another way? The devil is leading you astray. That's quite clear. It's quite clear. That's why we're told to gather together, support one another. In 1 John, it talks about um, confessing our sins to each other. You can't do that in a group like this. But you can say, do you know what? I felt short this week in this area. I, I find myself 
thinking about this, doing this. And when we start to get real with one another, transparency is absolutely the most beautiful um, ground for the Spirit of God to move through us and maturity to grow on us. It's when we try and hide stuff that the enemy's having a field day. But when we walk together in intimacy, then we remove all of those little spaces that he can grab hold of and lead us astray. So, um, not that we're judging, but we are judging. We want to see some fruit. So if you're nasty, somebody will tell you. Check yourselves. Are we real in the community? And this is the thing. If we say the things that we say and we do the things that we do as the body of Christ right here on Brighton Hill, what people, what are people seeing of us right here? Are we the people that we say that we are? We talk about the fact that our vision is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. And what are we doing about making Jesus known? We've got this beautiful live nativity coming up in December. We've got to make sure that every single part of that has been sorted out and that we invest ourselves in that because this is a brilliant way of inviting the community into our facility and about what we get excited about. It's Jesus time. We're going to tell the story of Jesus coming for the first time, the nativity. And therefore, we want to make sure that the community are aware that not only are we telling the story, but we're living out the story. Because I think last year, the one thing that we heard more than anything was how generous we were. Not only did we let them see animals and us doing the nativity, but we fed them and we watered them and we gave prizes away. And people were extremely shocked by our generosity. Let's do it again. I love shocking people. It's fantastic. How am I real in the community? There's some things that I just, uh, I remember when I uh, applied for a job here um, three years ago uh, on my CV, it says there's certain things that I would really love to work on, that we get rid of the sacred and the secular divide. You know, it's all God's. It's all God's. And when we step into any situation, then we take God in there and it becomes a sacred situation. Uh, Natural and supernatural or something else in the community. It's not about just what we're doing because there's so many people that can do better things than us. But we add the, um, I suppose it's called the special source. And that's Jesus. We add something better. It's not only that we are doing meals for people, but we add Jesus as well. We make sure that Jesus is central. It's not that we do a a mums and toddlers group because there's brilliant mums and toddlers groups all over the town and you can go to any of them. Um, But our one is different because we are desiring that Jesus would be in there, right in the center. And when we do things together, it's not the fact that, uh, oh, just thinking about this, you know, God doesn't have a a natural and supernatural divide. He's just natural. Just natural. He is what he is, and he's come in his Holy Spirit to fill us to be like him. No divide. When, I love the fact that when we pray for people here, we just pray for them. You know, when Malcolm comes up, shares his story, and then Penny says, well, let's pray for you, and let's pray for you now. When anybody ever asks you, could you pray about this? Do it there and then. I tell you what, it scares the life out of them. But it makes it very clear that we're real about the supernatural impacting people's lives. Oh, I'm going through a difficult time. They share something with you. Look, look, hey, before you go, can I just pray? God, would you just bless my sister, my brother? You've heard her or he say what he's just been saying. And I just want to ask, Lord, that you would give them the power 
to rise above, to be able to live through, whatever. Simple, short. And here's another key. Here's another key. When you pray for people, use their name. You've got a name, and your name is specific. I, I, I love the times when people come, and, they, and I've been prayed for by name. That's why I love name badges, because th- it's brilliant, because I can't remember people's names. And so when I'm praying for you, and I say, and Father, will you just bless my, bless, 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 bless my brother. And if I use the word my brother, that's because I've forgotten your name. <laughs> or would you come near to my dear sister at this time? That's because I can't remember what your name is. And if I say, can I just ask your name? It, it just makes it though, so that when we pray, it just becomes personal. Pray for people. Remove the, uh, the natural and the supernatural. The other one is that the us and them. You know, it's not that we're getting them on site because we were them once too. It's about us being family together and recognizing God has placed us in this community to transform this community. And we're doing it. We are doing it. Last point here. Ah, Matthew, I won't go on for that one. Am I real when I'm alone? Now, this is the one that's uh, a a little bit more challenging. When nobody's there, nobody sees, there's no witness. How am I when I am alone? When we read in Galatians about the fruit of the Spirit, the last one on the list, which I find is quite amazing, it's the last one on the list, is self-control. And that's where normal Christianity, like that's where uh, the rubber hits the road. It's how am I when I'm left on my own? Do I watch stuff that I wouldn't watch with other people? Do I read things that I shouldn't be reading? Well, I would never read with other people. If at any point we have to delete our history on the internet, that's because we don't want somebody to see where we've been. And if that's something you have to do, then that's something you should stop doing. And the Holy Spirit will prompt you. He, he's beautiful. I love the way that the Holy Spirit comes alongside. He convicts us so that we will change. He never condemns us. There's that beautiful word in Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You are never being removed from the love context of a relationship with God. But he does speak to us and says, well, this area needs to be put under my lordship. It's time to do that. We've done it in the past and we failed. Well, it's time to do it again. How are you doing in your own time? What do you watch? What do you read? How you behave? And your priorities. Where do your resources go? Does your bank transaction say quite clearly that you are a lover of Jesus? Or is the majority of it about me? It's a challenging one. Last point's here. Yeah, I can do it. Yes, that's the thing about it. I just wanted to say that as well, that when you struggle and when you're finding it difficult, then get alongside somebody to help you. Find an accountability partner. Somebody will walk with you. And I love doing that. I meet people in Costa all of the time who want to just talk through some areas of challenge. And, um, and I love it because I get the stamps on my card at Costa. <laughs> Beautiful. So I see that as a benefit of standing with people 
as they want to walk closer with God. Credentials of a normal Christian. Christ's forgiven you. You've accepted him as your saviour. You're walking in the light of his word every day, everywhere you go. That's where I've been talking about for the last six weeks. And that is exactly what you and I can do. Nothing that I've spoken about, nothing that I've spoken about is beyond us. It's all attainable because we are following Christ. He is our perfect example when we look at what we should be like, then we look to Jesus. And we measure up against him. One of the interesting things that I learned when it came to dealing with the counterfeit £20 note that came into our cafe way back when we started out. How do you get to know and understand counterfeit money? Well, the thing that I was told was that uh, those who work in the bank don't spend time looking at uh, counterfeit notes. They just spend a lot of time using the real thing. And the more that you handle the real thing, the greater your sensitivity is to something that is counterfeit. And one of the calls I believe over us as a church here on Brighton Hill is that we are to be the real thing. And therefore, anything counterfeit will just stick out like a sore thumb. And we don't want that because we recognize that God has given us everything we need to be walking out in what is normal, natural Christianity so that we together just look like Jesus. Could you just turn to somebody and say, we can look like Jesus, you know. Just tell them that. Yeah, we can look like Jesus, you know. Yeah, go. Yeah. We can look like Jesus. Let's stand together. So thank you, Jesus, that you are our model. But you're not only our model and our example. You are the one who empowers us to walk in the light, to be Christ Christians right here, right now. And we commit to you even today that in every aspect of our lives, whether it's at home, whether it's at work, whether it's at church, whether it's out in the community, or whether we are on our own and alone, we commit all of our time to you and say, Lord Jesus, would you have your way? Would you help us? Would you strengthen us? Would you empower us that indeed we might shine the light of Christ in every place we find ourselves, and draw others to you for your honor and glory. Amen.